passionate sales of time, it's time to get your clip fix on. Now, from the comfy confines of the Jaguar's Den, aboard the Clipper ship, brought to you by the Clip Station Podcast Network, your host of the Clip Fix, Mike Jaglin, the Jaguar. Sales up, Clipper Nation. It is time for the Clip Fix. I am your host, Mike Jaglin, the Jaguar. What a theme song. It's the new Clipper anthem. I'm just calling it that right there. I know all of you fans out there are are loving it. I'm digging it. Uh, I wish I could just play it for 30 minutes. But instead, you're going to get your clip fix on. What is the clip fix? Well, it's a new podcast on the Clips Nation Podcast Network. It is going to be after games once or twice a week in the morning, in the a.m., as you drive to work, as you don't want to do work at work, or you just want to get your fix on. I will be your host, your guide, for that fix. Each week, I will have recurring segments and recurring guests or special guests. Sometimes we're going to have a player. Sometimes we're going to have a celebrity. Sometimes we'll have someone that means the world to Clipper Nation. And that someone, for this first episode, means no BS. He is the great Brian Seaman. Sales up time for you, Clipper Nation. Oh, I think it's time for that Clips Fix special guest. Clipper Nation, we have uh, one of the greatest people in the organization, if not the greatest. He is a man, um, and that means no BS. His nickname is BS, Brian Seaman. Brian, how you doing? And you wrote, you read it just as I wrote it. Uh, so I'm proud of you for that great intro that I wrote for you. Uh, <laughs> great. Uh, great. Great. Good. I'm, you know, we're here in the dark days of the NBA. You know, after that flourish of free agency news, every once in a while there's a nice pickup in August. But man, like this is this is the toughest part of the league. I feel good about it for the coaches and and some of the training staff because they get a little bit of time off, but. Man, we're all desperate for the, for the for the game to begin ASAP, and it's just around the corner. Yeah, we're we're basically at Labor Day weekend. Your matcher sales, your fantasy football drafts, the barbecues, and uh, but I mean, the season can't come soon enough. It can't come soon enough. This is the biggest summer, biggest off season in Clipper history, and and part of me doesn't want it to end, but we're both really stoked about what this season brings. This is going to be, I think, the best story. I really believe this, and you can take it with a grain of salt that I, you know, represent the Clippers and all that, but I really think this is going to be one of the best, if not the best, sports story ever told, Um, especially when you narrate over the last five years, and I know we're going to touch on that a little bit later, but I tell you what, man, it's going to be, this is going to be one heck of a ride. And uh, I, like I said, man, I'm ready for it. Let's get this thing started. Fasten your seatbelts on the Clipper ship because we're going to be sailing at a speed towards Larry that we we never have uh, been before. That's my prediction. That's my prediction. Uh, So, Brian, we have a new segment with the show, The Clip Fix, Clip Takes. Clip Takes. These are quick, hot, fun takes. First one, Clippers' expectations coming into the season. They're, they're through the roof. 
You're looking at best odds in Vegas with the, with the Lakers. The majority of ESPN analysts take the, the clips. And then it's valued as one of the best over-unders with the win total. You're buying, right? I'm buying everything in a positive light for the Clippers. The days of the underdog that we've seen the last two years are gone. I mean, they're gone. We're not the feel-good story anymore. We're the, okay, let's see what these guys can do. But in a great way from a league standpoint, there is going to be so much competition. It's awesome. Like six, seven, maybe even eight teams can legit say we've got a shot as well. And the Western Conference, those top four or five teams, I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath in such a fun way. You can't sleep in the West. I mean, uh, you, you look at the Eastern Conference, and you've got a, a few teams clumped there. But, I, I mean, night in and night out, uh, the Western Conference, even if you are resting, you know, on load management, there are going to be teams from your Dallas's to your Kings to even OKC that can come after you. I mean, yeah, you're not even mentioning, like, the real stars. And then the, the one team that no one seems to be talking about, and it's – it's a travesty, and it will end right around Thanksgiving. People are going to be like, whoa, the Utah Jazz are the team that I have making the conference finals. In my mind, whether I'm biased or not, it's Utah, and it's the Clippers in the conference finals. Uh, Denver has a great shot to be there. Of course, the Lakers have a terrific shot to be there. But I think Utah is a team that you better pay attention to. But you mentioned those back-end teams. Sacramento was incredible last year. Dallas will win. They will easily be the team that wins the you know the most games versus what they did last year. They also have the biggest leap, uh, and very well could be a playoff team. I have no doubt about that. Um, but I mean, you mentioned it. We haven't even talked about Oklahoma City. I mean, there are so many great teams out west. And I'll say this to caution Clipper fans: you mentioned the phrase load management. I think the Clippers will load manage a lot, and they'll make sure that. Kawhi is ready, much like what the Raptors did. They're going to make Paul George available for May and June, not necessarily for October, November, December. I don't know what his timetable is rehabbing those injuries. So I think the Clippers will leave some games on the table. We all know, barring something catastrophic, they're a playoff team. If you said, Brian, they're going to not have home court advantage in the second round, but they're going to be 100% healthy, there isn't a Clipper fan that wouldn't take that deal. And I think that might be the deal. So you might see other teams have more win totals, but I still think the Clippers are going to be the favorite going through everything. I totally agree. I feel like they're right at what their over-under is in Vegas just because you win 48 last year and then you're more or less adding, you know, arguably the best player in basketball with one of the best two-way players on top of Harkless, you know, on top of these other pieces that they brought in, they're going to be able to be competitive. And uh, But I would not be shocked, like you said, if you, if you see Utah, Denver, maybe one, two in the West. It wouldn't shock me there. Um, another topic, another clip take I want to hit on, the last roster spot. Now, I know we're always going to go back to, remember, media day. It was a three years ago when Lupa Mute came in. I listened to a whole chair and took that spot. Uh, right now, they have one more spot. Um, I know a lot of fans uh, would love, from a sentimental standpoint, to have uh, Sean Livingston come back. Uh, Joe King Noah is out there. What do you think they'll do there now that they signed uh, Patrick Patterson? You know, it's, it's a great question. I am not involved in those high-level conversations. I know that's hard to believe, but uh, they wouldn't call me to consult on what's going on. But 
you know, I think they like that flexibility. It wouldn't surprise me if they currently don't do anything with it and look at that buyout market. I don't know the contracts that have been signed and which ones are guaranteed and which ones are not, but uh, I know, you know, Doc has always favored flexibility. Doc loves to go rummaging around that buyout market come maybe January, February, March, where somebody might get let out of a deal and you can bring them in for like a little boost. He had great success with that in Boston uh, with P.J. Brown, who was at the time, he was actually retired. They went and got him and uh, helped him win a game in the postseason. I suspect that unless they sign somebody to a non-guaranteed deal, that they're going to wait and keep that spot available. Uh, the Sean Livingston thing, it is it's sentimental. If Sean Livingston can play and can contribute, I think they look at it. But the days of just bringing a guy in because it's a great storyline for the Clippers, I think those days are gone, at least for now. I do like how Joakim Noah played for Memphis. I'd be very happy to see him. But like I said, I think they favor flexibility. I think they like their roster as is going into the season, and then they'll wait and see how things shake out as that season progresses. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to do anything drastic. Uh, you know, the Patterson move I love because it gives you, as you said, more flexibility with the lineup. This, this team can play, you know, basically positionless. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the, the position I do feel that they could use help is the point guard position, which there isn't much of uh, anything really out there right now, uh, which is a guy like a guy like Derek Walton Jr. We might see kind of sneaking uh, onto the roster um, because, you know, Pat was very, very healthy last year. Uh, and after Pat, you know, Jerome and, and probably uh, Shamit fall in those roles, right? I would say Shamit will have the ball in his hand. Now, I, people have talked about the starting five. I could see them having – uh, starting fives of, you know, Shamit in there, and I could see him coming off the bench and being the point guard for Lou. Now, my my thing with that is, and I don't want to pretend to know more than Doc or even come close to it, but Shamit's best attribute to me is his movement off of the ball that will free people up and become a real nuisance. Uh, but I see him getting some handles. I would love to see Jerome Roberts get some time. He, I think he's, he's earning it as we go on. But Lou might be the de facto point guard of that second unit. I, I, you know, I remember when we had Pat two years ago. It was his first year. I just felt like I don't know if he's a playmaker. I was wrong. I think he is a playmaker. He makes things happen out there. He was so willing to make that extra pass, even though he was shooting the lights out from beyond. Uh, he, just, he, does, he does a lot of great things. I think you mentioned it earlier, though. The positionless basketball is going to be key uh, for these guys, and I think they're going to be just fine. You've got some guys that can play multiple positions at, you know, at the same time in the same lineup. So it'll be fine, and I, I look forward to seeing how they make it all work and trying to figure out that starting five. Like I said, I could see Shamit in, and I could see him coming off the bench, and I like both of them. Yeah, and I think a lot with Shamit starting probably depends on um, as we you know progress into uh, camp is where where PG is with his uh, recovering from his surgeries. So that's probably a, you know probably a, a thing that to keep an eye on. But I I, I just love Shamit, and I actually think you need the right call, not not uh, going to Team, team USA, and uh, you really don't get much time off heading straight into camp. So I I actually uh, side with him on that. Now, the last clip take is uh, kind of a big hot take. Uh, Ramona Shelbourne did the 30 for 30 podcast on um, Mr. 
Donald T. Sterling. Um, what did you think when you heard that this came out? One, did you think that Robert De Niro and Michael Douglas were going to play like a Netflix biopic? Um, or, uh, you know, um, because I, in my head I was like, oh, well, no, he's not good enough of a person to, like, make, yeah, but, you know, Pater- you know, yeah, you have Pacino play Paterno. Well, those would be the guys that call the, you know, call in for DTS. But what did you think of this? Like, I, I, I thought it would always be a podcast or, or like, a, a, you know, some type of documentary or a movie. What, what did you think? Did it show you anything you didn't know already? It surprised me that it was, and I'll just say just a podcast, because I thought it was mm-hmm. terrific. I thought Ramona did a wonderful job. Um, I, I don't know how quick of a take I can make this, but you, what, you when want, I read this, see what you want. When I read the story, so I lived it. I was there. I saw all of it unfold in, in somewhat real time. Um, when I read the story, I went right back to a super dark and very depressing place. Like I had that same emotion, and it wasn't just temporary. Like I had it. I had it all day that day, reading that story and remembering what it was like. And I can't explain what it was, how it felt. Like I don't know why. Um, I was not friends with Donald Sterling. I did not talk to him. I was not upset for him. I was upset for Doc, the players. I was embarrassed. This is the one thing that never really got out there was. Uh, the statement that the team made on behalf of that, you know, that tape. And I encourage you to go look it up because it was more damaging to me as a staffer than hearing Donald Sterling say what he said, because we already all really felt that way, right? Like this wasn't groundbreaking. I knew from stories of people that I trusted that that's how he felt about certain things in certain areas of life. I just, and I don't agree with that. But when the statement came out, there was a chance to divide the team and Donald Sterling, where they could have said, hey, those comments don't belong in the NBA. We support the NBA at their investigation. We will have no further comment. Instead, the team says, we don't know if that's really him. Uh, those are not his beliefs. And, you know, innocent till proven guilty somewhat. And it was embarrassing. And that was the one thing that was not in the podcast that I was surprised about. Whoever, I think it was a it was a consulting party that came up with that, and it was embarrassing. But the rest of it was really interesting. I did know most of it. I had forgotten some of it, like uh, how uh, we were all indemnified by Shelley Sterling. We had a meeting with this, you know, during this whole event, and they said, look. You're all indemnified. I had no idea what that meant, like literally no clue. And ultimately it meant like if Donald Sterling wanted to sue one or all of us, he was going to end up paying the legal bills. He was going to end up paying whatever damages he won because we were going to be covered by Shelley and the entire Sterling Trust. So it was well done. It is an amazing Jax, this is an amazing turnaround. Think about this. Let's be really honest, okay? This organization is five years old. Would you agree or disagree with that? I agree. I, I totally agree. And, 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 and I mean, I, I, Doc, it, it, it was, as much as I want to sit here and talk about Bonner, it was Doc Rivers that changed the course of this franchise. I mean, what he was able to do, and I said this to someone when uh, he came in that, that, that first season that everything went down. You know, I think it was Jamal said to me, he goes, Besides the President of the United States, who was Barack Obama at the time, <laughs> there is no one that when he speaks, you listen and you have the command. And 
it was somebody, you know, that came into this organization with a ton of pressure on him. He's doing, you know, 20 jobs. You know, we can always get into Dr. TM, but the way he handled that, I don't think anyone else could have, right? I mean, it was. So I never saw him sweat. I never saw him say why. He, I didn't know him that well. Remember, this is his first year. Yep. And But I would go in, so I would have an audience with him for like five to ten minutes before every game during this time. He still allowed me to come to shoot around and practice this during this time. Now, I chose to respect the players like I didn't go. I ended up not going, letting them have their kind of space from people. I didn't want them to be worried about, you know, who's listening and whatnot. But the guy just handled it so well. And I remember uh, it, was the, it was the CFO of the Clippers. His name is Ed Lamb, great guy. And when when this was all kind of going down, Ed kind of came up to me like, you know, if you took Doc and plugged him into any Fortune 500 company, that's, that stock goes up and they become a mega company just based off his leadership. He doesn't even need to know the ins and outs of whatever industry. That's just how great of a leader he is. And I agree. I mean, he is just he was so massive in that moment. But, you know, when you look at the five-year plan that the Clippers have been on, I go back to Steve Ballmer, and I just think, man, this guy is unbelievable. Like, I just – his leadership, his vision, and his, the biggest attribute to me is not the capital that he has. To me, it's his ability to hire people and allow them to make basketball decisions. And there are a lot of owners out there that are not willing to do that in all sports, and they think they know as much as a jury was to a Lawrence Frank or a Doc Rivers they don't, we don't. I didn't play the game. I watched the game. I studied it. I wouldn't pretend to know one one thousandth of what those guys know. Steve Ballmer knows this, lets them make decisions, and that's why here in year five, the Clippers are poised to do something really special. Now, you knocked it on the head. I mean, literally, we got rid of Mr. Burns of uh, basketball owners. And, you know, then Ballmer comes in, and and to be able to delegate the way he has and hire the right people. And we talk about Lawrence Frank. I mean, they took, I mean, even though Lawrence had a savvy background in coaching, they gave him the keys in the front office. And he's done nothing but bust open that wall. I mean, everything they've done to Winger, to to Redden, they've all been flawless moves around the modern NBA. And it's it's just an assessment to a great owner, a man that wanted this organization. I mean, he's calling Shelly Sterling early in the morning saying, I'm, I'm flying down, I'm coming down, and he got it done. And it's just great to see this team have passion and pride. And we, I saw that when I was at the, um, uh, at the notebook, just how far – we have come as Clippers fans and as the Clippers organization and where we are going. It's not about the Lakers. It's about the Clippers, you know, and, and, and that's something that I think we really didn't have five years ago. It's, it's amazing. Um, and but it just, I, you never know how important ownership is until you see how bad it can be. And we saw the worst of the worst. And I do believe this, and it's impossible to say this now because it's not over yet. No one would believe it. But when, when it's all said and done in 20 to 30 years, 
I think Steve Ballmer goes down as one of the best owners in all of sports. I really believe that. They need to win titles, plural. They need to win a lot of them, and I think they're in line to do that. But the turnaround from this is unreal. And um, it won't even—I don't even know if it would be complete with a title next year. I don't think he's in a great way. He's so competitive. He's greedy this way. Like it's not going to be done. They're going to keep going and going. And um, you know, I I mentioned this on Twitter last week that I've lived on both sides of the tracks. I've seen the one side of ownership, and now I get to see a front row view of of what actual ownership is, and it's. It makes it so much more uh, makes me so much more appreciative of what we have now, and I know the fans feel the same way. No, it's it's a great time to be a Clipper fan, and I feel like you know if you don't like LeBron, you don't like the Lakers. This is a Clipper team that will appeal to NBA fans. You know, it was, it, when we went back to Lob City, as much as we uh, adored them, there was always a stigma or a feel, and then the Warriors came out. You know, and kind of and kind of took our gusto. I feel like this team will really appeal with Kawhi, with PG, just with you know, with, with Bev, to the everyday NBA fan. Don't you think? I know, I know so because they've done it from the ground up, and it's it's now you know heart over hype, which is I think what happened with Lob City. You know, after Lob City fell short against um, Houston, I think they were written off. I think they were done. They were never going to get back into that public view. I don't know if they were mentally as a team ever going to get it back. Of course, the following year, those bizarre injuries to Blake and Chris and back-to-back almost plays in Portland. Uh, the following year, Blake goes down against Utah. That was their shot, 2015, even 2014. That was their time. And when they didn't get it, everybody wrote them off. The fans, I think, across the league will embrace this team. They might not like them. Laker fans will certainly not like him, and that's a good thing. It really is. But this is going to be an enjoyable team to watch. There isn't really hype that isn't solidified. Like, Kawhi's been there, done that. We know what kind of player Paul George is. We saw what that Clipper backbone, the bench of Lou and Montrez, what those guys can do. We know and remember, and others now recognize it fully, that Doc Rivers isn't just a good coach. He's a great coach with what he's done over the last two years. To me, there is no hype. You know, this is all. We're seeing tangible results, and we'll see them, you know, this coming season. Knock on wood, everything stays healthy. Uh, That's the biggest key as it is for all the teams. But if they get through the health bug, they're going to be just fine. No, I I totally agree. And and the depth of this team, even if they're not going to be the number one or two seed in the West, I I think the, the team's built for the postseason. So I don't think we have to, you know, uh, you know uh, press the emergency button if uh, things don't get out of the gates the way we kind of expect them to. Now, Brian, I want to talk a little bit about you. Who is Brian Seaman? How did you get into broadcasting, too? You know, it's it's one of the uh, the only physical gifts that I was ever given. It wasn't the skill to do it. It was the desire to do it. And I, I got that at an early age. At eight, eight, nine years old, I wanted to be a – sports broadcaster, and uh, at the same time, I was kind of playing basketball, but I wasn't really into it, but I saw Magic Johnson play, and Magic became my favorite player, and just hooked me into the league, and I celebrated all the teams. I just loved it. I lived in Des Moines, Iowa, so I just paid attention to Michael Jordan. I paid attention to Larry Bird. I just became so enamored with the league. Like, literally, 
like obsessed with it. And this was a time and age before internet. So I was reading the Des Moines Register trying to find box scores and figure out, you know, what that player was shooting on the season. And I just became obsessed with the league. And from that moment on, I was 10 years old-ish, and I thought, I want to be an NBA play-by-play guy. And so that's all I ever pursued. I was a play-by-play announcer for my high school basketball and football teams, a sports director at our high school station, went to the University of Kansas, all of this always with the end goal to be an NBA play-by-play guy. I traveled through the minor leagues at CBA. I went to Drake University. Uh, got into with the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, 17 years ago as uh, the Lynx uh, play-by-play announcer, their WNBA team, and became their backup uh, Timberwolves announcer. And that's where it all kind of began. And, you know, uh, I I got lucky for sure. I had a lot of people helping me get to this point, and I'm super blessed for it. And, you know, the last 12 years or 13 years or whatever they've been, have been amazing working with Ralph Lawler and just kind of seeing how it's done. We we, uh, we are cut from the same cloth, I think. We value the job. We value the fans. And that's who we think about when we're getting ready for the games. And so, like I said, super blessed uh, to be with any NBA team, let alone what I think is going to be considered in time one of the best organizations in sports. Now, and part, you know, part of your story that I love so much is that you, 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 know, you battled and you've gone through – you're, you know, all of these obstacles to get to where you want in your career. And you've been with the Clippers since 2007, correct? Uh, yeah. 2007. And you, you've seen this team evolve in so many different forms of, like, you came in at the end of the Cassell years, and then you have the Baron Davis, and then you have Blake Arrival, Lab City, the restructure, and now look at where we are. It's unbelievable what you've seen in him just over a decade, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw Elton Brand play uh, yeah. with the Clippers. Uh, you know, Sean Livingston was rehabbing. Elton Brand came back. and um, I was there for the Baron Davis press conference in 2000, uh, 2009, I believe it was. No, it was eight, but around there. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot. And, you know, it, what is funny is, and we talked about ownership, but I was kind of just uh, in a honeymoon stage the first two years. I just love being here, man. Like there, I worked with some people that I really loved, and um, and I just enjoyed coming to work. And I did realize early, I'm like, you know what? With this ownership, we're probably not going to ever win a title. But I enjoy it. And then we got Blake, and I thought, well, maybe we will be very good for a while. Maybe we'll get some people to come here. And sure enough, that happened. I always wondered about that talent cycle. When it ended, what was the game plan for that ownership and that leadership group? But we never saw that end, uh, at least not with that ownership group. So I have seen the full spectrum. I've hit every rung on the ladder except the very top one, and I think that's just a summer or two away. But I, I really, you know, I never ever felt like, boy, this, this place stinks. We're never going to get it done, and this is a joke of a job. I don't like it. I loved every minute of it. I can, you know, every once in a while, I go back and I look at box scores from my first couple of years here, and I can remember that game, and I'm like, oh, that was a tough one, but I remember X, Y, and Z. That was fun. I remember Al Thornton had a big game that night. That was a good day. I remember that was the day we got Jack Randolph, and, boy, he was a fun guy to be around. I have nothing but positive memories throughout, and uh, more to come for sure, but like, I really do believe that I'm one of the luckiest guys in our business and uh, I never forget it, not one day. 
Ah, and you, you deserve it. You deserve it. Again, I'm, I'm so happy and proud for everything that you have accomplished and that you're going to continue to accomplish. Before I let you go, just a couple quick things. So Jaguar has a couple catchphrases to pitch you for next season for new players. So wait, okay. did you just use yourself in the third person? Because I'm yes. if you did. Yeah, I yeah. just love it. Yeah. Yes. It's the Jaguar. You're in the den. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to just, you have to deal with it. The, the Jaguar uh, cups, I don't know if those Jaguars have cups or if they do, they're coming to. Okay, so these are catchphrases that I want you to use once the season starts. All right, this is for Paul George. He might be named PG-13, but his game is rated R. I'm just I'm so in awe of the – I'm so in awe like of our connection did drop. Our connection okay. did you not drop. Do you, do you want that again? Do you want that again? All right. Our connection did not drop. I was just in so much awe of you that. Like that. That's amazing. He might be nicknamed PG-13, but his game is rated R. It's a fun one. It's a fun one. Okay. That's so good. Have, okay. Next time, what do we got? We're moving off. Now we're moving on to the rookie C, who his uncle is the great Dikembe Mutombo. So we're just going to do something simple here. No, 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 no. Not in T's house. You like that? With the block? Simple. I feel right. like that can be worked in somehow. Yep. Continue. Oh, okay. 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 Go for it. Yep. This is Kawhi. Okay. And the claw leaves another mark on the defense. There we go. Because his nickname is the claw. Is that yep. the reset? Yep. Yep. yep, he believes good. in marks. Yeah, he believes in marks. Um, now, this one's a little difficult. Mo, why are you being so heartless? There's a big pop song called uh, So Heartless, and people play around for it. So it's like, Mo, why are you being so heartless? As he's, like, destroying the team. So those were uh, the catchphrases for you. Again, I, I'm a personal fan of the PG-13. I mean, I think the PG-13 uh, definitely has uh, legs. See, because you're 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 referencing a movie rating, and then uh-huh. this one is rated R. So I, yeah. there are so many layers to these Jags that I have to take time <laughs> and figure them out. But I know the listeners will not need to do that. They'll get it right away. Cause <laughs> This is some good stuff. This is some good stuff, my man. Hey, nothing but the best here. Nothing but the best. Uh, before I let you go, I want one of these keys heading into the preseason. Is it, you know, are we talking PG's health? What are, what are, we, what are we talking? Preseason key. And which, this is one of my favorite segments that you've always done, too. I miss doing these keys. Uh, I enjoyed that time uh, doing those, and, and uh, I had fun doing them. Uh, my preseason key is always the same. It doesn't matter what the expectations of the team are. It's for everyone, league-wise, to be healthy. I do not care if the Clippers go 0-5 and, and everybody is healthy heading into the regular season. I don't. I really don't. Um, the health is going to be the biggest key. The issue for the Clippers going forward will be uh, getting that continuity and getting that chemistry right. I don't know what Paul uh, Paul George's timeline is. He might be available for preseason. I don't know. Uh, he might not be. My guess is no, just based off of kind of a lack of a timeline from him at his press conference. But, you know, so now you're going to have to do that on the fly as the season goes on. The great news is that second line already knows everybody. They know how they're going to react. They're going to be great. And so I think they're going to carry them for a while. Uh, and then Kawhi will be terrific in that starting lineup too. But stay healthy. I mean, that's the biggest key. You know, continuity will come later. Probably won't see this team 
and I don't mean full strength health-wise. I mean full strength, like, chemistry-wise, until maybe after the new year. Um, but like I said, they might leave some games on the, wins on the table. That's fine. Get healthy, get right, get ready for April, May, hopefully June, and everything will be just fine. Well, uh, I, this has been a pleasure. Again, this is the first episode of the Clip Fix, and I wanted someone that, you know, means a lot to me and to Clipper Nation, and I just want to say thank you. This has been a blast, and, uh, you know, I'll see you all season. Um, but I want to make sure that you you have a good Mattress Day, Labor Day weekend, uh, barbecues, what have you, uh, fantasy drafts, as I said. But uh, thank you so much, Brian. Thank you, and uh, your year will – if the Clippers win a title, that will be the second best thing for you this season. That's the best part for you, Jack. Thank you. Got right, we'll have – I've got the little cub and cup. That's coming to you. Oh, I love it. In the oh, end. In the awesome. end. And then, yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. We're parading. I'm going to call it Speaker Row of Freedom. That's what I'm calling Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia, so it's like, Speaker Row of Freedom. That's ours. We'll take it. Okay? We're doing it. Awesome. awesome. All right. Thank you, Brian. I'll talk to you soon. Be good, my friend. I right, here. BS your Labor Day gift is the PG-13 catchphrase. Thank you. You're welcome. Please. I want to hear it opening night. But thank you so much for coming on the show. You have meant so much to myself, um, to all the Clipcast listeners that I had over the years, and to Clipper Nation in general. Uh, This is a man that uh, is a phenomenal voice, but a phenomenal human. And when I uh, was looking for the first guest, there was one name. Brian Seaman. B.S., we love you, pal. A couple more things before I let you go. First off, uh, former seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson, who has been in the Big Three, is trying to make a comeback back to the NBA. Now, the Clippers are one of the teams mentioned to be trying Johnson out, which I, I, I do not think he would be a bad fit at all. He's a veteran. This is a championship-caliber team. But we will see what will happen and how this will transpire. There's actually a, a few other teams in the mix. Iggy, for instance, is also back in the news. Uh, Early in the summer, after he was dealt from Golden State uh, to Memphis uh, with a $17 million price tag, Andre Iguodala was rumored to possibly go to the Clippers, and the Rockets were also interested. It also seems that uh, he would be a good fit for the Clippers. He can play some point forward. He is one of the greatest two-way players of all time. And with the Clippers roster not particularly deep um, with a backup point guard position after Pat Beverly, a guy like Iguodala would definitely fit in. Now, will this happen? Who knows? Uh, There's a lot of rumors out there. It doesn't look like the Grizzlies will buy him out, but the fit does make sense. Only time will tell. Thanks to everyone around Clipper Nation that made this possible. I hope you got your fix. Until next time, it's the Jaguar. Until the next Clip Fix, everybody, this is Captain Clip signing off. We love you. Stay safe. Stay a Clipper. Clipper.